3: Welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dettino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. It is presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football Giants in multiple ways. You can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring, 201-939-4513. You can hit us up on Twitter, hashtag GiantsChat. You can also send in your questions and comments directly to the two of us. I'm at Lance Meadow. One word, last name, M E D O W. He is at Giants W F A N. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of the show and our entire podcast network. On the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com mm. slash podcast. So, we are now officially in off-season mode, Paul. The Super Bowl was Indeed. Sunday. We've digested it for the last few days. And now, before you know it, franchise tags can start being given out on February 20th. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to start a free agency. And this is going to run like wildfire.
0: Yeah, it is, and uh, you know, just just a moment though before we start this stuff, and I, I know I know I didn't ask you about this earlier, but just prayers and uh, thoughts with all the folks uh, implicated uh, and involved and affected by everything that happened in Kansas City yesterday. I, I just I just want to send all of our prayers out to those people because. Uh, you know, the entire NFL world and, in fact, the in, the entire United States, every community that has gone through any type of celebration for anybody's championship knows how fragile those situations can be. They said there were over 600
3: authorities there. You I know, think there were 800 police officers alone.
0: It was a total 800 Yeah, uh, who were trying to maintain safety for all of those people who, of course, went there with total intentions of having a great time. And then having this tragedy happen, so uh, just just as a moment, just to send all prayers out and and all thoughts out to everybody in Kansas City, uh, especially those though, who were directly impacted by what has happened uh, at the end of the Chiefs' celebration. Uh, in terms of the National Football League, uh, you know, Lance, I, I I tell people all the time, you know, when I started doing this, you know, over 40 years ago, there was a clear definition of off season.
3: <laughs> yeah, now it's kind of blurry. It's
0: it's kind of yeah. laughable, right? You know, we had we had um, the uh, spring drills. Uh, we had the draft. You know, the schedule release was not even a big deal, believe it or not, back in the day. And then the free agency became a big deal in the '90s. Okay, when the whole salary cap started, the antitrust thing came into play. The salary cap started, and now all of a sudden there was this, there was this two to three week period of free agency that became a real um, scuba diving mission, if you will, to try to figure out which guys are going to visit where and who's going to talk to who and blah blah blah. Here's the funny part. Here's what's really changed, besides the NFL calendar, which now makes the NFL newsworthy. 11 months out of the year. Let's not kid ourselves. It's that much now. What's really changed, and partially because of the legal, quote, quote, tampering period, right? What's really changed about that is back in the day, even when free agency started and the salary capital was implemented, you had guys going on free agent tours. They would visit as many as five, six, seven, eight teams peddling their wares, going on interviews, going on visitations, and you would have to track these guys as they were going on all their visits, especially if you were a team that was supposedly interested in them. For example, if you were in New York, and I, I you know, I remember, um, let, I don't even know what year it is, so it may or may not be relevant, but remember when LeVar Arrington came free? Sure. Right? There was a whole Dog and Pony show about the places that Levar Arrington is going to visit, and you knew, let's say, you you know, you had information. Okay, the Giants are definitely interested in this player. Well, if you were in New York, you had to monitor every visit that Levar Arrington made because you didn't know if that was going to be a stop and sign location or if he was going to continue on the junket, as they say. The car wash, as some people say in Hollywood, right? Making the rounds of all the potential teams that he wanted to target. And because you knew the Giants were supposed to be on that list and that they were interested in the player, you had to monitor every step of the way as he, oh, he visited Jacksonville. What happened on that visit? So now you're calling down to Jacksonville either to potentially a contact you have there or a fellow reporter who has a contact down there to find out hey what happened to the player on his visit did it go well do you know what he did did he have dinner did they go play golf who did he the talk incidents. to did he talk to the GM did he talk to the coach did he did he have an exam with the trainers what happened and and it was a it was like a witch hunt to try to find information out about every one of the free agent visits, as these guys were making their rounds, that's all changed today. Well, I think there
3: is some of that that you were very little. About. Well, very can, little now. But you could go to a visit; they cannot let you leave the building, get a deal done, and then you're not going to carry over to well, the other teams. Well, the reason I say
0: that is because the legal tampering period that they now have for many of the free agents those guys are boom 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 they're done right away because you got the legal tampering period where they could talk to agents days, yeah. right for 48 hours free agency opens and within the first half hour of free agency all of a sudden you got seven guys who already agreed to a deal. There is no junket. there is no visiting six, seven, eight teams to find out where they wanna fit. No, those conversations already took place, they're done, free agency opens, and now the big names are, are agreeing to a handshake deal within minutes. There's no longer trying to track down the, the dog and pony show as the guy is traveling around to different headquarters and visiting teams to see what he likes. No, that that's, for the most part, that doesn't happen anymore.
3: Well, because a lot of it is done over the phone, as you mentioned. Correct. Yeah. But there is that wave of players that do go from team to team, maybe after the first twenty. Very few, to 48 comparatively
0: hours. speaking, and your bigger
3: names usually sign right away. Sure, yeah. Well, like Galladay, for example, to bring it back to the Giants. Right. Galladay was making visits the year that he ultimately joined the Giants.
0: He was one of the few guys who did. So there are. He, a few he guys. did. He yeah. did the dog
3: and pony show. Yeah. He did. Very few people do that though nowadays. That's just not the way it works. Well, and also what you were laying out was pre-social media. So, right now, teams can rely on social media also to track a lot of the info. Oh, it's, you know, if they needed to, yeah, they
0: probably could. Yeah. Because, after all, we all believe every word that's on social well, media.
3: Forget what you believe. <laughs> it's the fact that all of these national reporters go online well, and document that is what true. they're hearing. Yeah, I meant it from that standpoint well, more so than the chatter. Not only that. He got video of the guy arriving at Correct. the team yeah. headquarters.
0: Somebody's got a camera and they're shooting it or phone exactly. and they're shooting it. Yeah. Oh, so-and-so's helicopter landed in the parking lot of uh, of the Rams. He, well, he has a visit today. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, there's bells and whistles, as you mentioned. But, but that's one of the really big changes, aside from just the fact that the NFL has become an 11-month calendar year news cycle. Uh, the whole free agency business and how we... As media uh, track these guys, it's just it's a different environment now and a different system by which these free agents will peddle their wares. In most cases, it's done in the 48-hour legal tampering period. There's excuse me, I'm sorry. There's phone calls, there's zooms, and now the guy is signed. They're not they're not really as many guys doing the whole carnival show. Uh, you know, yeah, there's not as much wine taking the tiny, tour as they, they say. say. Yeah. right? There's not that much of it. Well,
3: and I also think, though, just to spell out how times have changed, you needed to go to facilities to get an idea of what the team was all about. Oh, sure. Now with social media, with television, with websites, I mean, you can type whatever you want online and find all the info that you need about a team without really going to the facility, I would argue, because between the imagery between interviews, Mm -hmm. you and your agent can piece the puzzle together before you even get on an airplane. It's that much different. We all know happy wife, happy life, right? Well, many
0: times these guys would come into town and there would be someone assigned by the team to take the player's other half and say, okay, take them around the neighborhoods. Show them where they could go to school, show them where they could live, show them where there's activities. The local country club. Yes, Show, show them the food, show them some of the kinds of food that we have in the region. This was all part of the recruiting process. It was really like a college recruiting visit. These days, not so much. Now it's like you talk to the agent, you work out the numbers, Uh, They do all the research in terms of the schooling and everything else online. They figure all that stuff out, and it's like, okay, we're doing a business transaction here. It's not so much the college recruiting process with pro-free agents anymore. I guess
3: that's really the best way to equate it. Well, even the college game has changed. Well, (laughs) tell me about it. No, but I'm not even talking about NIL. I'm talking about college players interact with coaches directly on social media. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many coaches are on Twitter? where they can communicate, as opposed to picking up the phone or snail mail. You talk to recruits 30 years ago, they'd have these shoe yes. boxes full of letters. Yes, right? I've seen them. Now it's emails and text messages. So it's been a complete different game changer because of the technology. I and mean, that's what really has flipped everything upside down. And the NFL is thrown right into the fire with these other professional sports. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for yeah. sure. Well, speaking of looking ahead, before we get to the legal tampering, as you laid out, before (laughs) we get to even the franchise tag, NFL.com went through the draft order of all 32 teams, but used the draft to put them in terms of a numerical order and listed the needs for every single team. So we figured that we'd focus on the four NFC East teams, given that is the utmost importance, to the Giants and their surroundings. So let's start with the Giants here. And the biggest needs that they list are the following. Defensive tackle, running back, interior offensive line, edge, and cornerback. And by the way, these needs are in no particular order. Mm -hmm. These are just who they think are the areas of concern for the team and there's a little bit of a write-up for the Giants I just want to read it's about two sentences sure finding a new starting running back if Saquon Barkley doesn't return O-line help and depth at receiver are of the utmost importance if Daniel Jones is to succeed next season the mid-season trade of Leonard Williams to the Seahawks created a need along the defensive line and the secondary could use some fresh faces too well the secondary could use some fresh faces based on who they may even lose in free agency I would argue but all relevant positions. I mean, we've talked about the need to bolster the pass rush, especially with Mm -hmm. Aziz Ojolari and his injury history, and Kayvon Thibodeau coming off a great year, but the old story in the NFL is what have you done for me lately, not what have you done on an island. So the jury is still out with respect to that. Who's going to play corner opposite Deontay Banks? So that makes a very strong case for the cornerback position. Is
0: the slot corner uh, an issue or not? You know, do you trust Flott to maybe hold that down? I still think he's got uh, uh, more abilities to play the boundary, but he did play the slot effectively the second half of last season, and and even Darnay Holmes.
3: But is he in the equation? You know, he's an unrestricted free agent. Is he even going to be back? So that's why cornerback to me, I think you make a very strong case. Interior offensive line. Well, we talked about the guards. Who do you play next to John Michael Schmitz? The stability then at the tackle position. So the two guard positions are going to be a big topic of discussion. Saquon, I already mentioned it, passing. And then throughout defensive tackle, and that I think has to do with, you know, where you feel you are with some of these young guys. Like Jordan Riley, to me, is a huge player to discuss amongst the coaching staff and the front office. I concur. Because I think that dictates how aggressive you need to be at the defensive tackle position to complement the likes of, of course, Dexter Lawrence.
0: Now, um, Nacho is still signed for next year. So they don't have to necessarily worry about re-upping him if they want to uh, continue to, to have him on this team. And you have D.J. Davidson, too. Uh, right? D.J. Davidson is still here. Yep. Uh, quite frankly, I, I'm not going to be so quick to discard Ryder Anderson who gained uh, weight last year and got up to 290 and then never wound up getting on the field. But they kept him around all season. They bulked him up and kept him around all season for a reason. I'm going to be very curious to see what the new defensive coordinator thinks about Ryder Anderson as as an evaluator because Anderson came into this league originally as a defensive end. And then they decided to bulk him up to, to 290. And then he never played anyway. I don't want to paint a rosy picture and say Ryder Anderson is the answer to everything. But is Ryder Anderson potentially a rotation guy on this team?
3: Is he? Well, he has the versatility that I think makes him appealing. He, he does but have the, fact the versatility. That he get on the field this year, I don't know how you can bank on him making that big of a jump to now becoming a key piece of the I, I,
0: don't, I, I Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. The point is, I never want to just throw somebody in a closet and shut the door and say, I'm forgetting about you. I, I think it's it's always foolish to just totally discard a person without having more evidence as to what you think they will be, can be, or what the new coaching staff believes. Yeah, he can a be new
3: defensive coordinator
0: because now you have a new defensive coordinator, and maybe he looks at Ryder Anderson and says, "You know what? I think that guy can be a good rotational piece. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's a three technique all of a sudden this year. I don't know the answer to that. So that's another player who I have a question about. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be asking questions about Ryder Anderson. I want to know: Does he have a place on this 53, or was he just the spare part?" who is just going to be gone with the wind, as many players on the back end of a roster you know, will get blown out, even if there's only one or two changes on the coaching staff. There are some guys that like, okay, you, you, you had your time here, you didn't show what you needed to show, and it's time to move on. I don't know if he's one of those guys yet or not. I just don't know.
3: Well, I think, once again, it falls back to Jordan Riley and DJ Davidson. Because... I
0: think Riley's here. I think he, Jordan Without Riley showed enough... And yeah. he's a draft pick, I think. And got I think playing time later this yeah, season, I yeah. I think he's here. I think he'll be in the rotation.
3: But I wouldn't rule out DJ Davidson as well. I mean, he's I would not that rule him out. With some injuries. He's another guy that I, I I put in that let's wait and see, category. Well, because the other reason why I'd put those two ahead of the list is you have to think about who was brought in by the new front office versus who was inherited. And True. Those two players, Riley and Davidson, mm-hmm. were drafted in the last two years. So the new front office was already in place. As far as all of well, before go you go,
0: yeah. before you go further, uh, remember you have Robinson in that mix too. But he's
3: a scheduled free who agent. Who is
0: an unrestricted free agent? Now I think we all agree. You know he did a nice job with his snaps. Okay, now he's more of a plugger, right? He's not a three technique. He's a plugger. Uh, we all we all think he did a pretty good job. And I think everybody would say, yeah, if you, if you could bring him back, you'd like to. Well, now you don't know. Does he want to come back? What is his price tag? You know, he becomes another one of those variables. And if, if his number's a little too high, do you need to then say, well, you know what? We're going to have to make do with what we have and use that money to go get somebody else at another position because we have to rob Peter to pay
3: Paul. Or, once again, and this is why I'm going to continue to bring up Riley and Davidson, do you feel good enough about the two younger guys to give them more yeah. playing time? There's a lot of questions
0: here, man. This 53-man roster, you know, I know we know a lot of the starters, and that's fine. But but there are still a few starting spots there are questions about, and there are a lot of backup spots that you just don't know right now. And it does become even more complex when you consider you'll have a new defensive coordinator in the chair.
3: And that also will influence which free agents they want to bring back. Sure it will. Because that completely changes the conversation. As far as the five positions that NFL.com listed as the biggest needs for the Giants this offseason, if I were to rank them, I would put interior offensive line number one, I'd put edge number two, I'd put cornerback three, I'd put running back four, and then I'd put defensive tackle last mainly mm-hmm. because I think there's the most potential options already on the roster at that spot. Right, There are young running backs in the mix. Saquon, if he moves on, significant loss, but I think the reason why they brought in some of these other young guys is that they feel that they can give them additional work. So I don't know if they have to spend an awful lot of resources and money on another running back. And I was having this conversation, I believe, with John last week. If you're not going to pay Barkley... Why would you then go out and pay somebody else who's a veteran running back? It I don't no think sense, you do. Right. So I'm. It's using, either Barkley or Bus for me. So I'm using that logic to say if they move on from Barkley, it's not a massive need because they believe they can develop some of the young guys. So that's why running back and defensive tackle are the two last ones on my list. Mm-hmm. And offensive line, I think we've. We've exhausted that exactly. one. Exactly. I mean, at <laughs> there's this nothing point, else to there's say. nothing else to discuss. Edge and cornerback maybe a bit interchangeable because of the unknown opposite Deontay Banks. But I put edge because of the need to get other reliable options mm-hmm. that you could bank on game in and game out. Yeah.
0: The, the, the edge rusher for me is still an issue. We know that there is one bona fide legitimate edge rusher you can count on. And that's, that's Tibbs. Let's not kid ourselves. old Joe Lowry has not proven to be reliable. And And it's a durability issue
3: more than anything else. Quite
0: frankly, it wasn't just durability this past season. If you look at his production and his efficiency in the 2023 season, it was nothing like his first two years in the league when his numbers were pretty good. And then you just had to say, well, they need him on the field more. He got on the field some more this past year and did not continued to ascend. In fact, you could say he
3: might have gone backwards somewhat. In fairness though, and, and this is not me trying to defend him, but wasn't he on a ridiculous rate of like a sack per appearance at one point? Which you knew deep down inside, Paul, was not going to continue okay. throughout well, the course of his well, NFL career. All right, I, no, I'm just saying that in passing. Wasn't that the rate? There was a point where he yeah. got a sack per appearance, but the sample size was so small that you had to say to yourself, once he gets to the point where he can reach double-digit games, If health allows, you cannot expect that to carry out season in, season out. And once again, it's not me defending him, it's just being realistic that there are players you know, they start off their careers with a hot streak, and then you have to understand as the mathematics increase, there's no way that you can maintain that.
0: Okay, so here's the problem. He did play in 11 games this year, and had only sacks in two of the 11.
3: Yeah, well, and that's way down compared to what I'm saying the beginning of his way down yeah that's below sea level well i just think the standard that was set, and and i'm a disease ojalary
0: fan okay i i like him a lot as a guy i think he's a good teammate i think you know he does have some very very uh good solid strong pass rushing skills he absolutely does but if you only had sacks in two of your 11 appearances this season that's that's a problem okay you 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 know the Giants need to figure out exactly why was that okay because it needs to be fixed now you may not get almost a sack a game like you did in his first two seasons but you got to do a heck of a lot better than having nine shut out sackless games
3: that's, that's not okay. And the other thing, on a related note, Kayvon Thibodeau, if you look at his past season, he had eight and a half sacks in the first nine games. He only had three sacks down the stretch he, of the season. He, he wore down. He wore down, well, but, and I think he ran out of gas. But that's more of a reason why you need other reliable options. Oh, sure. you can't bank on that. The rate, to my point with ojalari is going to carry through for all 17 I games.
0: absolutely believe the Giants need to acquire another potential 8-10 to 10 sack pass rusher during this offseason. I absolutely believe that. It's It's clearly one of my top needs for this team. There's no
3: doubt. See, Jahad Ward is a nice flash guy. He's just I'm not... I'm not sure he's coming back. Well, I'm just bringing him up. He's a free agent. Up. No, but it would be the role of that player. Because Ward oh. was that third, fourth guy, that energizer bunny. But for more the of, lack a of, of a run stopper
0: phrase. than a pass rush. No, but,
3: but there were times where Ward would come in with a little bit of a pass rush. He's just not he doing did. it at the rate he did. of, like you said, eight to ten sacks. The best example I could give you to the player that I think you're looking for, Leonard Floyd joining the Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. when they brought him in. W- regardless of what the production was this past season, the expectation was he's going to be the third guy and he's mm-hmm. going to be a player that can get us in that 8-10 to 10 territory. You got to pay for a guy like that, Paul, though. Those guys do not come cheap. Even the third pass rushers in this league, because every team is searching for the third pass rusher. We've had conversations in years past. To me, the separators in the NFL... It's not the team that has two guys. It's the team that has that third X factor. Well, the
0: problem is, Lance, I'm not 100% sure anymore that Ojolari is even the number 2 pass rusher on this team.
3: Okay, so then you should preface it by saying you're looking for really the number 2 guy then. I'm Forget looking the number for, I'm looking guy.
0: for a guy who's at least a 3 and could potentially be the 2 if Ojolari does not pick
3: up his game. Well, if you're not banking on Ojolari, I, I how can I? No, I, then I would say that it really it's got to be a conversation about number 2. You know, two I and get it. I'm I'm always the
0: glass half full guy. I get that. I always take the general manager or the coach's perception yeah. or perspective that says, okay, we have questions. Do we have potential answers in the room? And could this guy potentially be that guy? I will always approach it from that perspective as opposed to the other, which says, oh, my God, we need this, and we got to go looking outside the building all the time. I, I, I don't do that, okay? And even with that mentality, I am not sure right now because to me Aziz Ojolari took a step back. I'm sorry. I wish, he, I wish he did not. Now, was part of that because, again, he labored through leg injuries? He had he had soft tissue injuries. And, you know, I'm not sure even if he was 100% in the games that he played. Well, because as you referenced, there was a stretch where he missed, what,
3: four games this season.
0: Twice he missed. So he, there you he, go. Was a, he missed a chunk of games. Is it that he wasn't physically himself and could not put forth the kind of production that he's capable of? Maybe that's true. The point is, I don't know.
3: That's my point. I don't know. Baltimore led the NFL in sacks this season. I'm just using them as an example of what I'm talking about in terms of the importance of a third guy. They had 60 sacks, okay? 60 is not the standard for everybody. I know you love your 42 number.
0: I'm I'm probably probably revising that with the extra game. I probably need 45 now. That's probably the number that I'm shooting for.
3: February but but 15, give me give me at
0: least 42. Will February
3: 15, 2024, 12.58 p.m. Eastern. Paul evolves in terms of his mathematical statistics in evaluating you, teams. you got
0: to get me into the low to mid-40s, though. You have to. Okay,
3: no, 45 is a fine number. You know, but I'm, where, where would 45 have gotten you this past oh, season? I'll bring up, let's see. I got the sack totals here. 45 would have put you, believe it or not, 45 would have put you middle of the pack. Okay, well, and that's acceptable. okay. But you know, you would look in years past. Forty-five would be one of the top tallies. Forty-five it easily now would is have put you in the top ten. Middle. Easily, no, that's not getting you top ten. Top ten, the cutoff. Let's see, it was Baltimore, Kansas City, Miami, Buffalo, Indy. That was the top five. That took us to fifty-one. Then Cleveland, the Jets, the Chargers, the Niners, the Bucks. Forty-eight was the cutoff for the top, top 10. ten. Yeah. Okay. That's
0: um, you know, it's not totally unreasonable. No, that's why
3: forty five I think is a really
0: good number. So I think I think my number needs to be increased over these last couple of years from forty two, which has always been my number, it needs to be increased to forty five. And I and again, let's not forget it's about the pressures, the sure. hits, you know, it it and the sacks. It's still I do I do agree with the old Wink Martindale system that you need those three things together. Yep, to to really be an effective pass rush, it's not just sacks; it's those three numbers
3: combined. It's just the sack is the finisher, so I that's get it. why there's a little bit Absolutely. more value. No, but your point is well taken. But here's why I'm bringing Baltimore up. So Baltimore had 60 sacks. They had a really nice balance in terms of their top three sack guys. Okay, mm-hmm. they had one guy in double digits, who was Justin Matabike. He had 13. Okay, yeah. then they had nine and nine and a half, respectively, from Kyle Van Noy and Jadavia and Clowney. Now, why do I use Baltimore? It's not just because they had 60 sacks. You were talking about going in free agency. Clowney and Van Noy were brought in yes. as veteran free agents. Yes, they, they were. They didn't give them enormous long-term deals. They said, hey, let's rent these guys. We plug them in our system. And boy, did that work to perfection for both of those players. Because it's not... We're talking about the top three sack guys for the Ravens. We're not talking about a youth movement. We're talking about... Two journeymen in Clowney and Van Noy. Van Noy got, oh my God,
0: 1.4 mil. Yeah, that's what I said.
3: And I don't know if you have Clowney's numbers. Clowney's numbers, I mean, he signed whoa. late, if you recall. Well, Clowney, Clowney has was such dish, an didn't.
0: incredible injury history
3: Yeah. that, you know. But he got his act together this year.
0: Yes, yes. But Van Noy, I mean, let's face it. Van Noy, to a lot of folks, is is just a notch above a journeyman. And and he got one point five million in a one year deal and look and look at the season he put up.
3: I mean, look at the uh, return on
0: that. So two point two point five was the cap number for this year for the one year deal for Clowney. Now again, a lot of injury history there and a lot of underproduction over the course of his career. Yep. A lot of hype and not a lot of numbers. So, you know, and and that's kind of what the Giants need to do, to be honest. You're right. You make a great example. Well, that's why I brought up hope. They They need to find somebody who's going to be a bargain pass rusher. And maybe it comes in the draft. I don't know if it's going to come through free agency or not. But they need to, to get one of those guys, somebody who's going to get you, you know, those kinds of, of pass rush numbers and come in at an Amazon special price.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's what you need, especially when... You can't get the elite pass rushers to begin with through free agency in this league because they're all given the franchise tag. They never hit the market. So how do you spend money but do it in a crafty way? You've got to find these seasoned veterans. That's what you have to do. And Baltimore did a heck of a job. I mean, hats off to their front office and them finding some gems because Kyle Van Noy who played 14 of the 17 games. Clowney actually played all 17 games this past season. Amazing, right? that's the icing on the cake. But just to give you an idea about Kyle Van Noy, Van Noy just jumped around from team to team. He went three years with the Lions, then he played four with the Patriots. 2020 was a turning point in his career. Dolphins, back to the Patriots, Chargers, Ravens. That means, Paul, he's been with four teams in the last four seasons. And his sack total, the best one, was with Baltimore this past season. And he played 14 games for Miami, 16 for New England, 17 for the Chargers, and then once again, 14 this past season.
0: See, the problem with going through this equation and trying to find that guy is it's a total hit and miss. It's like throwing a dart against the dartboard while you have buttery fingers from the popcorn that you ate at the bar. Okay, it's really tough. Because, I'll give you a great example. Robert Quinn was given up for finished. And he goes to the Bears and gets 18 and a half sacks and sets a team he, record. He
3: broke Richard Dent's right? mark. Yeah. Which,
0: which is just ridiculous.
3: He did it against the Giants, by the way. Because,
0: yeah, he was he was done. Cooked, finished. You know, the, the ball went off on the microwave. Right? And then he does what he does. Microwave and popcorn. And then last year, well, that's why I did that. Yes, you see? Well, I could see. I it. try to tie it's in theme, the food
3: stuff. Without a doubt. Nobody and then last year,
0: what did he do last year? One sack in 13 appearances, including seven starts. I'd be curious. Do you have the snap count? I'd be curious how let much he see. played this past season. So he went from 18 and a half to one sack But he, he was in every down player season. also. Yes. His snap count last year, let me see. Something I'll find tells it. me.
3: I'll find it. It dipped a
0: little. and Oh, yes. But here's the problem. Okay, his snap count went down to uh, uh, 392 this past season. The year before, he was at 755. Okay, so he played half the snaps. And he went from 18 and a half sacks to one. (laughs) Yeah. Okay? And that's the problem with these older pass rushers. Now, I know scheme's part of it. And he was
3: also in-house. You weren't bringing him in from the outside. I get it.
0: Scheme is part of it. But we're talking about falling off of a cliff. And that's what happens with these older pass rushers. Sometimes out of the blue, they find one more really good year. And they jack it up and bang. They really inject some adrenaline into your pass rush. But then you never know when that's going to happen. Because all of a sudden, just like that, they disappear into thin air like the steam off the kettle uh, on your stove,
3: another food analogy. Go ahead. Yeah. So you know it is what it is. Can you discuss the three forms of water and liquid?
1: How many kitchen appliances can we hit?
3: <laughs> Gas, liquid, the, and ice. Well, now wait a minute. Done.
1: Wait
0: a minute. Wait. You know what? I haven't gotten to the George Foreman grill yet. So give give me another few
3: minutes. Stop naming products. I was gonna say he can't he can't she, just name out. a product. It's got to be something. Tied but that's into what it's it. called. Yeah. There is no other name for it. The grill? All right, the grill. (laughs) You have to assign it to a specific grill, so. We try to have fun on this program, but go ahead. Well, at least some of us do, yes. But Baltimore, I think bringing it back to planet Earth is just a good example. And just to end this conversation, I'd take a roll of the dice for $1.5 million with a player that in the eyes of the front office has potential. To maybe find the fountain of youth. Yeah, sure. For that amount of money, Paul it's worth the gamble. Absolutely. I'm with you. You know, These are not deals that we're talking about three to four years where you're tying up a lot of money and dead cap space. All right, we're going to get to some of the other NFC East teams, and if we don't get to all of them today, we'll get to them tomorrow. Paul and I are back tomorrow as well. But let's open up the phone lines. A few reminders before we do that. Giants Huddle Podcast, you can check that out. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can also go to Giants.com slash podcast as we look ahead to the 2024 season, you can take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2024 season. To learn more about all the exclusive member benefits, visit giants.com/tickets. Limited inventory is available. And the Giants Official Connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, it brings you original video content, game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV it's free on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile app. And we are not giving away any appliances on any of these apps. We <laughs> want to make that crystal clear. Anything that Paul promotes on this program is his own personal opinion and has nothing to do with the ins and outs of the franchise. I think we need a little written paragraph on the document so that I say okay, that every go five ahead. five seconds. Yes, let's open up the phone lines as we move along here and we check in with Marcus in Oregon. Marcus, welcome to BBKL. What do you got for us?
1: Hey, gentlemen, thanks for having me on the air. It's been a while since I called in. Hi. Um, you've t- you've uh, touched on pretty much every topic I've wanted to discuss today, and uh, I'll start with the defensive side. I like the hiring of uh, Shane Bowen, linebacker's guy. I think he can tap into the potential of the team. Um, glad he's already making connections with players like Bobby O'Karake, so that's a good sign. Um, you were talking about, The dire need of an edge rusher I agree I like Aziz Ojolari He hasn't been reliable And I think it's time that we draft someone To be alongside uh, Kayvon Thibodeau Um, I personally think That we should keep Saquon Barkley Because last season He proved to me that He's the most important player on our offense I think Saquon Barkley As the receiver Isn't utilized as often as he should be And that's something that we should use moving forward and you know i think i think that he's either going to get a contract or the tag with us because the running back market is already pretty saturated and i don't think that any other team is really gonna pay a running back big money at this time i mean we saw it with um like all the running backs this previous offseason wanting the big contracts and majority of them got the tag so I just don't think that's going to, I don't think he's going to go away from the team. And uh, lastly, and I understand that I'm taking a moment, I want to make sure I give everyone else an opportunity to speak. But um, I think in the draft, uh, we should definitely trade down. Um, I would like to draft someone like a Cooper Dijon, maybe even a a Jackson Powers Johnson to uh, help out the team. I just don't think that having the number six pick. Is really important for us right now. Really, it's just building on the team that we have and adding more players to it. And uh, I'll take uh, your responses off the air, gentlemen. And thank you so much and have a good rest of your day. All
3: right, you too, Marcus. Appreciate the phone call. Well, I mean, let's start with the last comment. And Mm -hmm. I say this all the time. I disagree with the philosophy that. well, the team has a lot of needs, so one guy in particular, and I know I'm putting words in the last caller's mouth, but it's my interpretation of what he said, that one guy alone may not transform the organization. But remember, you're not just drafting for 2024. First-round pick, four years, 50-year option. If he could become a huge impact for multiple years, you know that is going to be something that's well beyond just one season. And if you can't get that level of impact by moving down then I would say that's a mistake, and you should then take the player that perhaps everybody in the room is enamored with at 6.
0: Yeah, I think uh, when you look at this, the Giants need to do all of their due diligence on all the top guys, not only to find out all about them to decide who they would want to take at 6, but they also need to find out what's the marketplace for those guys. What is the value of all the guys in the top 10, top 12, top 15, So that if they decide they do want to move down, they know what the market is going to bear and what they can rightfully expect to talk about if the phone should ring or, for that matter, if they want to pick up the phone. That's why it's important. That's why, you know, I I laugh when people say, well, we read that uh, Joe Shane has done a lot of scouting work on this year's quarterbacks class. Well, he does that every year. He looked at quarterbacks in each of the last two drafts. And it wasn't necessarily because he wanted to know for himself because he might be drafting a guy. I mean, you always want all the information that you can get your hands on as possible. But the other reason is because you do that due diligence because you also want to know what's your evaluation of the guy and what you believe the market's evaluation is going to be in case you're in a position where somebody wants one of those guys and you need to know what you think you can get to move out of the spot because the market's going to dictate the price that you might be able to squeeze out of another team. It's, it's all part of the game.
3: Sure. And the other thing that you have to take into consideration is we always talk about, well, if a team's going to move up, in all likelihood, it's a quarterback. You never know. But case in point, I was looking at last year's draft. Remember, the Texans moved up after they took Stroud to get Will Anderson. Yes. So you could love somebody who's a non-quarterback and still be willing to give up pieces. Now, at six, there will be many different players at several different positions still on the board. you got a historic
0: draft chart up. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder what is the highest, if if you could do a quick look at it, what is the highest a team that has moved up to get a non-quarterback. I wonder what Meaning that would overall be. pick you're yeah, talking about? Yeah. Well,
3: three is pretty high. I'd have to go back and look draft by draft. Yeah, that's something. Do. You know,
0: that's, yeah. that, you don't do it now. But That's, well, that's I mean, a I homework assignment. Here we'll and do there. it for tomorrow. Yeah, sure. We'll do it for tomorrow's show. How how often and how high has a team moved up? Let's just say in the top six. How many times has a team traded up into the top six for a non-quarterback, and let's just say since twenty, since the 2000 season? Well, let's do that as homework for tomorrow's show. Yeah,
3: well, we got a great example from last season because they took a pass is, rusher at number three. That's one example, yeah. And, be, and I'll
0: be frank with you. I don't think we're going to find too many others.
3: Well, the reason why I would agree with you, I'm just looking at this on the surface. When the Giants are set to pick six... And we're under the assumption that three quarterbacks could potentially go in the top three picks. Right. Wide receiver is a position, but there's a lot of depth at wide receiver. So if you're a team, if the separation, Paul, between these top tier wide receivers, you could argue in the top 50 players in this year's NFL draft, 10 of them, a fifth, are wide receivers.
0: I think Tony Pauline's told John on the huddle program that there's even more than that, right, John? What was the number of gave getting for receivers? Right now. How many receivers in the top 50, did Pauline say? Uh, um, I don't remember, but Dame Brugler had 17 in his top Brugler okay. had
3: 17 in the 100. So Okay, so he has even more. So 10 is a conservative all right. estimate. So
0: let's say it's safe to say, or yeah. we think it's safe to say, no one's going to trade up to get a receiver.
3: Well, that's why I'm bringing that up. Because if the Giants are in that wide receiver territory where maybe one guy already is off the board too, do you say, all right, we like the quality and substance, and we wait? For a wide receiver later on in the first round or the second round? Or do you just take who's ever there? So I'd be surprised if somebody moved up from that standpoint. I would think just
0: based on what we know so far, and again, the combine's still a few weeks or a couple of weeks away, I would think if you're not moving up for a quarterback, the only guys you would probably move up for are the tackles. Okay, One, so one, like of, the, one, one of the two tackles, okay. potentially. Yep. If somebody's really enamored, I could see somebody doing that. Gotcha. Right? I think... I don't think that the pass rushers especially with Latou's injury history, I don't think anyone's going to give you the farm to move up that high to get one of those guys. That's fair. I don't think so. I don't know, but I don't think so. And then the only other quote generational kind of guy is Bowers. I'm kind of I'm kind of waffling on this one. I don't my my initial inclination is that no team is going to try to move up into the top 10 to get Bowers. My initial feeling. But then I say to myself, well, now this league is turning into a very tight end friendly league. And look at all of the top level or very productive tight ends that made the playoffs. And it almost seems like now that the way this league is going, you need to have a highly productive tight end if you're going to make waves in the National Football League. It kind of seems like we're going in that direction again. So maybe there is somebody who's going to be willing to open up their
3: vault to Grant Bowers. Though you could argue the track record, it's interesting. I agree with you in terms of the tight end movement, but several teams that use the high pick on tight ends hasn't necessarily worked out. I mean, Kyle Pitts, for example, he was a high pick. For the All-universe player. And a great talent. A, a, yeah. Has as, he made that much of a difference? Now, granted, different schemes. He's not going to have a new coach. They, they really haven't had a quarterback either. No, and that's fair. That's fair. Okay? But my point is, it's not automatic. It, it actually just goes to show you what we talk about. You're going to draft a tight end, the environment. You better have the yeah. quarterback, right? You better have the offensive line. No because, doubt. Let's put it this way. If you're drafting like a tight Lions. end. the Lions. Well, and they didn't even move up that high to get Sam Laporta. Laporta was a second-round pick, so I mean, Pearson, I, I agree with you. The Lions, there, I think the Bills are pretty happy they got who well, they Gold got. Don't think Kincaid. Okay, <laughs> you know, but even Kincaid's level of impact was still limited pretty, uh, this season. Yeah, I think he did, they're Dawson real happy they Knox got him. kept him off the field earlier in the well, season. But they still
0: had a good guy. The no. point, the point is, their tight end position is of quality. That's the point.
3: Well, they have a nice mix, but but I guess my my point is, you're not your offensive line and your quarterback better be in great, healthy positions, Paul, because you're not moving up. Oh, no doubt. To grab a tight end who can that. No doubt, no doubt. So the point is he's going to be a pseudo wide receiver. But
0: but, uh, are there teams out there, and I have not gone through everybody's roster to figure this out, but are there teams out there who think that, oh my God, if we get that one stud tight end, it's going to complete our offensive attack. There may very well be a couple of those teams. And maybe they feel that Bowers is just so special that they're willing to give you the key to Fort Knox to go up there, I'm inclined to say no, but there might be, and all it takes is one team oh, no you're right to all c- it takes ring more. your phone sure. and say, "Hey, guess what? We're willing to go
3: bonkers to make a deal with you because we got to get that guy. I think also you've got to look at the order of the team selecting and whether or not those teams have major needs for tight ends too. I mean, keep that in mind when you look at. I mean, well, the, chances are, if you're that high, you probably need a whole lot more than a tight end. Correct. Yeah. And you're probably
0: going to go for one of the receivers, one of the linemen, one of the quarterbacks.
3: You're probably not prioritizing Bowers. Yeah, so that's why I think most teams may say, well, we're not going to move because we're just going to see if Bowers falls to us. So there's no need to they make an aggressive move. They could. And then the only other position that I want to throw out here is cornerback. But cornerback has a lot of depth, as nearly as much depth as wide receiver. Right. So you could really wait for that position as well. And that's why I go back to how we got to this point. The caller had brought up, you know, move down. Well, somebody's got to have to be willing to move on. And, and I am to of, take your I'm of the opinion
0: spot. that moving down is a legitimate, rational possibility if you get that phone call that says, hey, we're going to give you the keys to our Fort Knox. Uh, are you willing to talk to us? Absolutely,
3: I'm willing to talk to you. I think you'd be foolish not to. No, you definitely listen. I'm just, the point of this exercise is to wonder, is there somebody that is worth other teams moving up and giving you what you want? Probably,
0: probably more so to
3: get one of the two tackles than anything else. That's what I would think. And that would be my answer. Somebody would be willing if they figure that that player could be a franchise-changing guy up front. Outside of that, though, I don't think they're giving you the moon, the stars, and everybody else remaining in the planet system for the sixth overall pick or somebody who is selecting in that vicinity all right let's head back to the phone lines as we move forward here cliff is in new york joining us on BBKL. what's happening cliff what do you got for us
2: hey guys thanks for the great stuff today hi well uh yeah i got i got some comments about what you were talking about but I, i told pearson i wanted to talk about daniel jones uh that that uh i i think it's unfair based on what happened last year to to put him back in the category of injury prone quote unquote i mean one of the reasons he got his deal in 20 after 2022 is that he was durable for the whole season and i want to point out what happened exactly with the injuries uh when when joe shane in uh, last season when when joe shane um gave his presser he he pointed out to the Miami game as a game where the state of the offensive line was, was best described because he said the guys on the field were the guys that you see in the last exhibition game. And, and uh, that was the game where Daniel got drilled in the back by Van Ginkel Van a, a, a week after Josh Allen was on the ground pointing at Van Ginkle to the, to the officials, which nobody said anything about. But the point was he got hurt. Uh, that was the neck injury uh, uh, when the offensive line was maybe at its worst uh and 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 Miami was in your list a, a few minutes ago of top teams with a pass rush so that was part of the perfect storm so that to me is not injury prone the the uh, knee injury against uh Las Vegas uh that was Neal uh that was uh, Andrew Thomas's first game back mm-hmm. and the and the injury was uh, uh was explained as a stunt up the middle with the superstar all pro possibly best pass rusher in the league even possibly better than Micah Parsons uh suddenly coming upon Daniel who made a extremely awkward escape and um I don't think that's injury-prone either because the offensive line was just as bad with John Michael Schmitz missing, I'm pretty sure, still in that game, and, and the guys playing out of position all over the offensive line. So um, uh, any quarterback is going to be injury-prone when the offensive line is in that bad of a state, and the first neck injury going back uh, against the Eagles in that 13-7 to game uh, was always a mystery to me I don't think we ever knew how that one happened but um, so I I just wanted to get that out of the way I I think
3: Cliff in in fairness you're focusing a lot on how the injuries happened and yes there are a variety of different quarterbacks that are put in positions over the course of their careers and injuries are going to happen for a multitude of reasons but I think the point is can your quarterback hold up regardless of what causes the injury case in point Sam Howell was sacked more than any other quarterback this season well, Sam Howell managed to play, unless he was benched, of course, every single game and did not miss a game due to injury. So I think that's also part of the evaluation process where teams look at the durability of specifically a player that's at the signal caller position.
2: I would still say the state of our offensive line was historically bad uh, because of the injuries. And, Cliff, uh,
0: I'm going to add this to your to your argument, if you will. And I don't I don't know if argument's the right word to use, but to your philosophy— there were 66 starting quarterbacks in the NFL during the 2023 regular season, which was an all-time NFL record, okay? It is extremely difficult these days to find a quarterback who does not have at least some type of injury that could keep him out for at least a week. So are sure. we going to say every starting quarterback in the league is injury-prone? I don't mean, know. You know what I mean? Uh, It's the nature of the game right now. I'm
2: talking about season-ending injuries. No,
0: and and you know what? I didn't count how many of those were season-ending, but the problem is uh, the Defenders are bigger, stronger, faster than they've ever been before, and when they hit, the impact is a hell of a lot worse than it was before. And, you know, that's why I I have a hard time. I have a hard time with the whole injury-prone tag for almost any athlete to be frank with you i i I don't i don't like it i think it assumes too much about the man's physiological makeup because we we are not doctors we don't know if he has deficiencies physiologically that would make him by definition injury prone i i that's a term that i i kind of i kind of take offense to I do yes. think that there are guys who put themselves oh. in more positions to get hurt.
1: Sure.
0: Okay. I do believe that. There are definitely well, more
2: Kadarius, you know I think Kadarius Tony was injury prone. There, you know.
0: there there are guys who will put themselves in more positions to easily get hurt and that is that is definitely possible. But does that make the guy injury
3: prone? I don't. No. I don't know. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just not so quick to use that term. I mean, if you miss games just about every single season, and we're talking volume two to three games, I think that fits the bill of being injury prone. Well, yeah. let's
0: let's use Al Jolari as an example.
1: Yeah, yeah. He's
0: missed. He's missed a chunk of games every year, right? Sure. Now, I don't know. Does that mean physiologically he's more apt to
3: get injured? Well, I mean, you're getting really. Or deep. does it not? I, I don't, I'm, not I'm, a me, I'm not a medical guy. But I'm guy. not looking at it from a deep medical. I'm looking at it from a surface standpoint, meaning the facts. If you miss three to four games continuously every single season, that to me qualifies as the label of injury-prone. So to bring it back to Cliff, to your point, Daniel Jones, by definition, it's not a stretch to say he's injury-prone because of the volume of games specifically that he has missed since he entered the NFL. Whether or not, to your point, Paul, there's a medical rationale behind it. I can't answer that. No, okay? none of us can. And even a doctor cannot necessarily answer that because you'd have to do a study of the bones and the biology of the player. But based on how many games he's missed, I don't think it's a stretch to say that the injury-prone label applies to him.
2: Well, it applies to the it applies to the team being unable to keep its quarterback on the on the field. The team is injury-prone. Uh, well, that's I that's mean, that's
3: that's but, but it's like, Cliff, it, it just seems like you're trying to qualify it, I guess.
0: you do him.
2: I just don't think it's him. Here, here's what and I will say, him. Cliff.
0: Here's what I will say. The conditions have been ripe for any Giants quarterback to be injured, given the hits and the beatings that they have taken over the last several seasons. And I just think that's a fact which is what makes Eli Manning's consecutive game streak without missing a, a contest due to injury, so incredibly amazing and should go as a feather in his cap as he continues to get discussed for the Hall of Fame. I
2: Absolute. mean,
0: that that's just... Uh, Giants quarterbacks in the last few years, and it's been Jones, it's been DeVito, it's been Taylor, have taken a beating. And the body tells you the more beatings you take, the more, you, uh, more
3: liable you are be, being
0: to miss in a game. Well, I, and well, I, you're a, well, I mean, you're Cliff,
3: special, well, yeah. well, well, just real quickly, for example, David Carr, who comes to mind as somebody that was sacked an awful lot. 76 times career. as a rookie. Yes, okay. Well, he was. Big record. He was with the Houston Texans for the first five seasons of his career, and he was sacked more than your typical young quarterback who was drafted. Carr only missed four games. In those five years. He played a full season in four of those five seasons. Amazing. So that's why I'm bringing it up, Cliff. When you say, you know, the team didn't do a good job keeping the player healthy, the quarterback never has a control over that. You have to play where you're thrown into. And Sam Howell, as I mentioned, Bryce Young, they were sacked over 60 times on an island. And Bryce Young only missed one game. Sam Howell played all 17.
2: Right, it's not the volume of sacks. It's being drilled in the back when there's no blindside tackle. Well, I
3: guarantee you, if I broke down the film of (laughs) Sam Howell and Bryce Young this season, Cliff, you're going to find plenty of things that fall into that category.
0: Again, though, that's just one season we're talking about. No, no, we got to see. You know, once once those guys play four or five seasons and they take an accumulation of,
3: oh, sure,
0: smash them up kind of hits, roller derby, you know, smash them up
3: demolition derby kind of hits. Uh, I bet you they're going to miss some more games. Well, but but once again, the reason I'm bringing it up is Daniel got hurt his rookie year, though. He did. He did not even play every single game he that did. year. Because Eli did. started as the starter. So I'm just bringing other examples into the conversation as a means yeah. of comparison. That's all.
2: No, oh, I, I I get it. And, and then quickly, and I'll take it off the air. I, I introduced the idea last week of a reality check for the roster, you know being in the third year of this regime, and that there's, they made some serious progress each of their first two years, and they built on some progress, whether people wanted to admit it or not, from the previous regime, and that because the state of affairs was so low in 2018, we're still in a very reasonably early stage. And, and listening to you guys today talk about the different position groups, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in who's going to be on the 90. Before I'm interested in who's going to be on the 53. It sounds like, it sounds like there's a need to bring in competition in like half or more of the position groups, and and uh, but that doesn't mean that we we don't have some serious progress at in, inside linebacker, and um, and uh, pass rusher, but edge rusher. Uh, but, uh, more progress at inside linebacker than, than edge rusher, you know, and then the yes. cornerbacks, I think we'll probably end up with a first round pick in the corner, which, you know, usually doesn't thrill me because it's not as romantic as other kinds of picks, but, but, uh, that that's probably just as much of a need at anything. And, uh, I, I just hope we can have a reality check about what we expect, uh, for, uh, to, 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 to quote Phil Sims, you know, again, From from the great run in the 80s into the 90s, we had a lot of good players uh, for an extended period of time. Um, uh, How many guys on the 53 right now? uh, A lot of whom are free agents, so it's hard to say. uh, But uh, when you think of a good player, that that's what we've been we were talking about. uh, Cornerstone players and foundation players, and how about reliable starters? How about good players? You know. And and I think that we need a lot more good players right now.
3: All right. Appreciate the phone call, Cliff. Thanks for giving us a ring. Well, there's potential with some of these recent draft picks. You just haven't seen enough, Paul, to say, okay, these guys are going to be part of the core and they're going to be able to contribute and perform at a certain level. So you really, I would say there's potential for a lot of the roster. There's just not enough meat on the bone at this point to go to the level of what the last caller was talking about
0: that is always to me the biggest dilemma for a coaching staff and for a GM is how do you evaluate the guys who haven't given you a large sample of work because you need to do that before you move forward and start bringing other guys in and you have a number of players here who are young veterans who have missed so much time because of injury that you really don't know for sure what they're going to be and then you have other guys like, for example, Dane Belton. He's had some injuries, but he also you know, wasn't going to break the lineup or get into the lineup over Pinnock and McKinney. He just wasn't going to get time ahead of those guys. That was not going to happen. Is Dane Belton capable of holding down a
3: full-time
0: safety spot for the Giants in 2024? I think it's possible. I think he gave we,
3: you a reason to consider it. Sure. Based on how he played but well. Do, but do last I season? know?
0: No, not at all, and 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 that's the problem with a lot of spots on this Giants roster right now. You don't know, a hundred percent. You know, do you think maybe? Yeah. Do we think maybe injured guys like Azudu and McKeithen can be starters? Maybe. You know, do do we think that Jordan Wiley can be part of that interior defensive line rotation? Maybe. Do we think that guys like between Flott and Aaron Robinson coming back off a lost season from injury? Well, he's more of the Azumi McKeithen category, Aaron Robinson. Right? Trey Hawkins, who they really liked during training camp, but then showed how green he was and how to come out of the lineup. Do we think that there was really something real there? That in year two, he's good enough to be a regular down player? We don't know the answer to that.
3: Yeah, so a lot of the roster is in that territory based on what you just went through. There are a slew of guys. Well, and here's another one that I'll throw in. Micah McFadden coming off an outstanding season, but now with a new defensive coordinator, Paul, what happens with him, right? I mean, McFadden and O'Kerake, I would say, you feel really good about that duo, but now that you're changing schemes, how does that impact the trajectory of the players? I'll give you one more, because I don't think Saquon Barkley's going anywhere.
0: But if he does... And we talked about the fact that you're not going to invest a lot of money in the running back spot because you believe that you've got some young guys here led by Eric Gray. Yep. Okay, but isn't that a gamble too? You know, do you know for sure that Gray is prepared to be the flagship of a running back by committee room? I, th- I think he can do it if they have to, but
3: I don't know that. And all of the players that we mentioned were drafted within the last two to three years. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's the common element. And some of them you haven't seen enough on the field because of injuries or the lack of playing time. We
0: we think Jalen Hyatt's going to be a real player here. What if he doesn't? What if he does not progress? What if what you just saw out of him was it? And he doesn't become a regular big-time player like the Giants hope he will. What if that never happens? And he just becomes another
3: receiver. Well, and I think you got to throw Wandell Robinson into the conversation too. Right? Now, Wandell's real... Wandell has more production, though. No, but what I'm saying than, is, is than that, we still haven't seen a complete
0: season, though. You so so you know if you just don't know what the upside is of a guy, and how confident can you be in that upside? It just makes all these decisions all the more harder.
3: Yeah, what, which circles back to the question about the label of good players. Well, I would say potential intriguing talent is a great way to sum up the roster right now when you get to good and great i think you got to see more on the field before we move the dial in that direction all right that is going to wrap up thursday's edition big blue kickoff live some good conversation on a variety of topics so paul and i will carry over the conversation about the nfc east the needs tomorrow and then maybe we'll do a little bit of homework on the draft question Mm -hmm. about the highest move up for a non-quarterback and anything else that you want to weigh in along the ride here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. As this program, as it is always, you could tune in weekdays, Monday through Friday from 12.30 to 1 p.m. Eastern, and it is part of our Giants.com podcast network, which is part of the Giants platforms everywhere, and Giants.com slash podcasts. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadows. Stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest, and we'll speak to you on Friday right here on BBKL. Have a good one.